Greetings, Parish Orphans and Retrogrades. Excited for many weeks to bring you this show with Mr. Michael Anton, who is lecturer and research fellow at Hillsdale College's Washington, D.C. campus. He's also a senior fellow at the Claremont Institute, and he's a former national security official in the Trump administration. Mr. Anton, thank you for being with me today. Thank you. The, the reason I've been so excited to bring you on is because of two recent articles in American Mind. I, I, I read Claremont Review of Books cover to cover for years when I was studying in Rome in 2008. I still have my copies sent out there. So for many years, I'd read that quarterly cover to cover. And I, I came across your work in those years. And I, I've admired your career and kind of watched passively from afar. But it was on American Mind in early September when you wrote an article I have passed to about two dozen people on the coming coup. What is it? How likely is it? Can you explain to my audience? Because I haven't been able to send each of them a copy of your um, article. It's, it's just a, I noticed a string of pronouncements by senior Democrats, beginning with Biden, fantasizing about the military escorting Trump from the White House. And I, you know, in text chats with people, I said, ah, oh, this is what this means. But I didn't think that much about it until something called the Transition Integrity Project, which is this left-wing Soros back. They get mad when you say Soros back, not because it's not true, because you're not supposed to say it. Because it is true. Yeah. Right. right. Um, where the, they all these, about 100 Democrats and former Republicans, I mean, anyway, anti-Trump people got together to theorize about how the election might go and what, you know, various actors within the government might do in certain circumstances. And the most amazing was the one where it's a clear Trump electoral college win, but a popular vote lost, which is what happened in 2016. And the person playing Joe Biden, who was uh, John Podesta, so Hillary Clinton's campaign chair and uh, former Bill Clinton White House chief of staff. So not a, you know, not a fringe figure in the Democratic Party playing yeah. Biden, and he refused to concede. And he, he, you know, the other, another, that's one, that's a most important data point. Refused to concede, the thing kind of goes into chaos, goes into the courts, and then it ends up in the hands of the military. And also, uh, in that scenario, the person playing Biden started calling Democratic governors in states where Trump won, and saying you have to, you know, you have to abide by the popular vote and send. Um, Republican or sorry, Democratic electors, not Republican electors, to the Electoral College vote. Yeah. Uh, another extraordinary data point I thought was two Army officers, former officers, but senior guys and and prominent guys in the Democratic think tank world, um, wrote a letter, open letter to the Joint Chiefs, saying, "Get ready to deploy U.S. forces to remove Trump from office." So I just put together. I just strung together their own quotes, what they said. And I summarized them. So this is what these people are talking about. They don't right. want the president to be reelected. And if he is reelected, they don't want him to serve a second term. And they're going to, they, they, they're saying openly, we're going to use anti-democratic means to prevent Trump from serving a second term. And then, of course, they call it democratic. But in their view, democracy is simply the correct outcome. It's not a process. So if the bright process results in you know, sorry, if, if an overriding the process results in the right outcome, that's democracy. But when the process gives you an outcome you don't like, such as 2016, that's not democracy. That's anti-democratic. That's how these people in their own heads are able to believe and say aloud, like, we're the real Democrats here, even as they overturn the popular will. So right. I just summarized what they were saying and, and, and what I fear 
they're going to try to do. You know, it, it goes uh, way back in February before COVID or the, uh, the, the woke riots or any of that. I was having dinner, two friends of mine, and one of them said, I just don't see how the Democrats can possibly accept another loss. They just, they can't accept another loss. And I thought to myself, yeah, right? That's right. They can't, can they? You know, they'll, they'll go to the courts, they'll fill the streets, and, but it was so kind of inchoate. But when I, once I started all the, seeing all the coup talk, I realized this is the concrete manifestation of what uh, my friend was telling me. Like, they can't accept another loss. They have to find a way around it, whatever that means are. What, yeah, just so my listeners know, I know it because of your article, and you well know it. All of the popular minds with this coup porn, as By Byron York talked, yeah. called it. Maybe it's just coup fantasies, fantasizing. It's been engaged in by Biden himself on at least three occasions. Yeah. Hillary, Al Gore, Al Gore, uh, yeah, Podesta himself. There, yeah. it started becoming mainstreamized around the time you wrote this article in early September, and it ticked up. Three weeks later, with the first election. And even the way you said it's inquit in your mind when the, the light bulb began to first go on, even the way Biden was surgically intentionally handling Trump in that first debate, it was the, a kind of you know subliminal signaling to the American people. Like, I'm gonna call this guy man, I'm gonna say shut up, you clown, yeah. you jerk. This was unprecedented. Everything about 2020 is unprecedented, yeah. which you make some funny jokes in your article, but I, I, it I all what, points to this. I think what kicked off, I mean, yeah, I wrote the article, it went pretty immediately viral, but only on the right. The left and the mainstream ignored it entirely. What finally got them to start paying attention, in my opinion, was Dan Bongino. I got to give Dan Bongino credit. So he read the article. He did several segments on his show on it. And then he had me on the show to talk about it. And I mean, he's really hit this theme hard. And he's got, you know, whatever. I mean, the American mind uh, has a big reach now and it's getting read. But like Bongino's audience is still orders of magnitude larger than that. And when he did it, the left, I think, realized that. Nah, we got caught. <laughs> we, we have to say something now. <laughs> right. And what was their response? What did they um, say? Oh, basically just projection. They just turned it around and said, crazy conservative conspiracy theories. Uh, that was basically twofold. Crazy conservative conspiracy theory, point one. And then point two was, Trump is going to be the one who tries to pull off a coup. So right. I, I, I can't say this line often enough. Uh, I quote Tucker Carlson almost daily on this point. He's been saying for a while now, that whatever the left accuses you of doing, they're doing. I mean, it's, right. the, biggest, it's the biggest projection uh, case I've ever seen in my entire life. Whatever they accuse us of doing, it's exactly what they're doing. And so when they say, we're going to use the military to get Trump out of office, and you quote their own words back to them, they call you a conspiracy theorist and then accuse you uh, of trying to use the military. Now, I, I said right. this on Bongino's show. I still haven't written this anywhere, but I'll make the point now. There's no way that a Trump coup is literally impossible. It's impossible. He cannot get, let's say Trump had the soul of a tyrant and he wanted to void the results of an election and stay in power by force, which I deny. I know the man, he's, this is not Donald Trump. He doesn't have that. But let's yeah. say he did. It wouldn't matter 
because he could not get the U.S. military or any of the actual armed forces or armed law enforcement or the Secret Service, you name it, he could not get them to follow that order. If Trump loses the election and says, okay, rally to me and shoot these people as they come toward the White House and we're going to use force and I'm a tyrant now, they would all arrest him. None of them would follow the order. So it's impossible to imagine Trump successfully staging a coup unless you're crazy. Uh, or just rapidly anti-Trump, which I guess most of his critics are. But in the real world, we have to realize no, there's no way Trump can get the security services of any stripe of the United States to follow such an order. The 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 one thing he would have in his favor if he should want to do that, and there's no way he does, and there's no way he's going to try it. I agree. Is the military it, from from the rank and file to many of the officers, not the top brass, as you point out, Obama changed around some of the brass. Most yeah. of the military supports Trump. Now, flip it around. What does the Biden camp have in their favor if they're going to attempt to stage what you're rightly calling a color revolution? Well, they have not the military, but the media, which is why you're kind of yeah. flirting with the idea that they're, that they're not keeping operational security. They're breaking rank. They're, they're, they're starting to say it, right? That could be effective. Push back on the notion or the implied notion. I, I don't know if this is what you meant, but just I just want to be clear here. Uh, to the extent to which the military is on Trump's side is doubtful. I, I think you're right that there's a big contingent. The lower you get down, you go in the ranks, the more they support him. Even if that's true, though, I still don't see Trump's hardcore supporters within the military. I, I, there's no way they ever violate their constitutional oath and say, yeah, he lost, but he's our guy, so... They're just not going to do that. Um, and even if they wanted to do that, I still think uh, the public pressure against them and so on it would, you know, would make it impossible. But I, one thing I can see potentially is, let's say the, uh, you know, it's an unclear outcome, or it looks like a Trump win, but the Democrats and the left and the media are saying it's a Trump loss, and these guys start shouting at the military, "Go get him out of there!" I could see people loyal to Trump. Um, um, saying, wait, I'm not following that order, right? right? Either I think he won or this is unclear, but it has to be resolved by legal and political means. Don't put this on me. I'm just not going to follow that order. I'm not going to be the instrument that overturns American democracy to force the outcome you want. I could see that. Sure, sure, I could too. Could you see the other way if it's a close match, which it's shaping up to be, even with Trump's large enthusiasm gap? Yeah. Yeah, he has the head heading there, which is why I'm confident in terms of the actual electoral college numbers, whatever, who cares? Could you see the media, the six headed Hydra or whatever of the mainstream media making a real go at a color revolution? First off, can you explain what a color revolution is, this term we keep using? And with with social media, it seems like a better shot yeah. than has ever been had before. In human history, at a color revolution, a color revolution is basically a coup without force, without using the military. It's a way to deal. It's a it's a, a, a system or a, a playbook of delegitimizing an elected leader and saying you need to leave, and you know, marshaling mass demonstrations, mass propaganda. Theoretically, public opinion. Although to pull off a color revolution, you don't have to have a majority public opinion on your side. Right. Uh, uh, you know, and and. Shutting down all business essentially and saying you need you're delegitimate you're illegitimate you need to step down and that's the only message we're going to pump out of all the propaganda outlets until this is resolved and we're going to have people fill the streets and you know 
hope if possible, a general strike type event where business just stops. Uh, and this has worked mostly uh, in Eastern Europe um, and in states of the former Soviet Union in the last well, 15 to 20 years. It's worked a number of times. Um, I do think it, it, that, uh, well, let me put it this way. Uh, it's possible that they're trying this out here. You know, I, it looks like it. The play, a lot of the things in the playbook are similar. Um, uh, I guess we'll find out if that's true. I, I, I almost think the reasons to believe it are, you know, we saw these demonstrations, violent demonstrations in many cases, um, in deep blue cities throughout the summer that no blue mayor, district attorney, or governor well, I shouldn't say no. There must have been some somewhere. You know, there's always an exception. But for the most part, they did not want to stop or do anything about. Right. You have to ask yourself why. And there are some obvious reasons why. Well, one is just that they're afraid of their constituents. Um, and they know that uh, to denounce the uh, uh, extremist violence means that their constituents are going to get mad at them. But it, uh, is it possible So, an element of this is a trial run? Well, what can we really do if we can get our street army out there? You know, how much chaos and can we cause? Uh, uh, I, I wonder if that was a kind of trial run. It, George Soros had flushed $600 million four to six years ago, getting those district attorneys in many of those cities that, that would be sympathetic to the tyrannical anarcho axis, whatever this is, this weird combination of big state and anarchy that we've been seeing since early June. So it, it seems to have teeth the theory they're not arsonists are being let go in many of these cities without being tried Honestly, i don't know how most you could... of these cities people are just not being punished for anything and that's uh, you know they or if they get arrested which is fairly rare i think the police forces have kind of caught caught on to the fact that you know why should i go out and risk my hide when the chief and the mayor and the city council are going to call me bad names and blame everything on me um so to the extent that people even do get arrested, which is uh, at a much lower percentage of the crimes being committed, yeah, they're, they're almost immediately let out um, with these bail funds paid for by liberal foundations and big-name celebrities. It's, it's, I've never really seen anything like it in my lifetime. It's been honestly pretty depressing to, to witness um, big parts of your country being burned down and the power structure uh, either doing nothing about it or egging it on. Yeah, it feels like the Dark Knight Rises, the weird anarchy, big government collusion. It's it's really strange, and it's it's unprecedented, like everything else in, in 2020. Like I, you ask it in your article. I've, I've been asking people for a couple months, how's 2020 going for you, man? Weirdest year for you ever? I mean, is there anybody that demurs here or dissents? It's, it's I, crazy. I, did, I think I said somewhere, I can't remember in which piece at this point, but that it's the worst year of my lifetime. Not for me personally. I mean, so far, like, I've been untouched by it. I haven't, you know, a few, a few things are different. The lockdowns hurt and all of that. But it's definitely the worst year for America in my lifetime overall. And I'm uh, not that young anymore. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I want to get back to the coming coup in a second. But the second article that, that I read that was fascinating, that's related, you mentioned the one that kept adverting to your experience at TIP. I think it was it was a clever title and inversion of an old one. You said from from lies to death threats, yeah, uh, or from well, death threats to lies, just with them. So as as a, for a long time, you know, as I said, the coming coup came out very viral uh, on the on the right on the, on the pro Trump side, but uh, got no attention uh, from the left, um, and then all of a sudden 
the dam broke. Well, when, once the dam broke, one of these guys who was on the project, his name is Nils Gilman of the Bergruen Institute, which is named after real people, the Bergruen brothers, I think, um, he, he tweeted a death threat about me. And, you know, uh, absolutely shamelessly said, no, not bad. He, he, there was some pushback, not much. Most of his liberal friends came and said, oh, Anton's a jerk, so he has it coming. Claremont Institute wrote them a, a, a letter demanding an apology. They didn't respond to it. Hillsdale College hired outside counsel, lawyers, and was looking into legal options. And, you know, and Hillsdale College is an institution, by the way, with uh, pretty deep resources. But again, complete silence. And there's some, there's some extremely famous and prominent people on the Bergruen Institute board, just off the top of my head. Eric Schmidt, former CEO of Google. Um, Ariana Huffington. You go look at their board and see these people are all like cool with their scholars making death threats. Um, you know, anybody on the pro-Trump right or just a millimeter right of center gets banned from Twitter for the, uh, the rhetorical equivalent of jaywalking. The left can incite violence without any kind of a problem. I think we're actually headed for something bad the left um never gets it's like you know any population whether it's children whether it's whatever population it is if you exempt them from criticism and refuse to rebuke them even when they're way out of line they just get emboldened and and reckless and that's what's happening the left has decided it, there are no enemies to the left whatever they say we're going to back them up and, and they're going to get more and more reckless and people are going to start getting killed or hurt, you know, and which has already happened. Leftist violence directly incited the psychopath who shot Steve Scalise and tried to kill a bunch of Republicans at their softball game. Right. Um, this is going to happen, and these guys are going to have blood on their hands. And I don't think they're ever going to actually accept the fact that they have bear any responsibility for it, but they will. And uh, I just don't see any signs of moderation or of calming things down that they're going to say, well, you know, maybe we're going too far, the temperature is too high. They're just going to find, I mean, I actually had. One guy, after um, Nils Gilman, just to repeat his name, made the death threat on me, um, uh, a real uh, leftist troll type, uh, I'll just say his name too, Dan Dresner, who has a thing about me and has for a long time. Dan Dresner is very, very, um, uh, it, much more interested in me than I am in him. But I noted that he tweeted that actually I and Claremont owed Gilman an apology for objecting to the death threat. That shows you how completely brazen they've become, and they live in a completely different world. But I fear that what we're headed for, what the left is going to get, get us, is into a kind of Spanish Civil War situation where they so whip up their supporters that they start doing targeted assassinations and they provoke a violent response. And then when they provoke the violent response, they're going to say the right, the right are, are, are engaged in violence, which the other thing that worries me a lot is one lesson of 2020 is that the state is either unwilling or unable to enforce the law in many jurisdictions. The only time the state can find the will and the wherewithal to act is to persecute people on the wrong side, that is to say on the right side or the conservative side, who exercise their lawful right to self-defense. So the state, you know, lets cities burn down, the, and the, when a mob comes after you and you defend yourself, all of a sudden the police leap into action and they put you in jail for first degree murder. I think that's also a trial run for this what the left, maybe some of them want to do. Incite violence, get their kind of hardcore misfit mutant antifa types to get because you know nils gilman's not going to come and shoot me just look at his picture and you can see the guy's probably never been within 50 feet of a gun right. or thrown or received a punch in his life i'm not afraid of nils gilman what he wants to do though is fire up those kind of mutant you know nose pierced 
tattooed psychopaths who are burning down Portland and let them do it and go to jail if they get actually get arrested. He doesn't want to get his own hands dirty. Most and of them then, have never thrown a punch in their life either, to be right. fair. They're, they're, they're and then, and then if, if I or whoever the t other target is defends themselves, they want to be confident that the cops will come hard down on the person engaged in in self-defense. And that's a that's a completely unstable situation that I think will lead to a revolution or to the breakup of the United States if they get what they want in that, in that realm. This is what I meant about the tyranno-anarchist. Yeah, anarcho-tyranny. Yeah, anarcho-tyranny, that's it. It's, yeah. it's, you know, they're allowed to set off, set your property on fire and shoot cops in the back of the head with minimal punishment and then they're let go out the back door of the jail later that night. But if they come to your property and you fire at them, then you're going to be harassed by the DA for brandishing a gun. It, it really is frightening, and it really does feel like The Dark Knight Rises. I, I was never a comic book movie guy. That's the one I've watched. That's the one I like with Bane, and it's it's exactly what happens there. Yeah, I actually haven't seen that. Maybe I should. <laughs> it's a good one. It's like the one good one. The comic book movies are garbage. Yeah. People, they're garbage. But I, I've, I only saw a couple of the early, you know, earliest ones in the late 90s, and I just swore off of them. Somehow I saw this, and it's precisely what's happening. You got Bane, this florid Jacobin, as he's yeah. called by some, some uh, writerly mag, who's inciting violence, and then people basically aren't allowed to defend themselves. And the, the kind of Jacobinist state is saying, we're going to, we've demoralized, we've destabilized, now we're going to normalize, all is well, all is normal. This seems to be the muscle component of what they're doing. But you, you, you keep talking about this color revolution, which the, the direct quote is, it won't be a legal battle, but a street fight. It's right. a three-part plan. Could you lay that out for us, what you think it is, the three parts of the plan? I think the three parts are, um, number one, uh, you know, first of all, their preference is, let's just win the election outright, and then we don't have to do any of this, right? Uh, I, I, that's... They seem to be getting nervous about that. I've seen more and more articles of, you know, well, Dems panicky. It's looking like 2016 again. They might be surprised. You're seeing the polls tighten and so on and so forth, right? Okay, let's, so if they can't win it outright in the Electoral College, um, um, this phase two would be to use mail-in voting and their control of the state election apparatuses, which they mostly control, not in every state, but in most closed states, the statewide uh, um, officials or Democratic use that to just keep the count open, find ballots of or boxes of ballots, however necessary, and go. Oh well, ten days later, we look. Looks like Biden won after all, and then right. stop counting. And, and as soon as you get the electoral majority, all right, and then it looks like an, it looks like a legitimate election with regularities because of uh, delays in the vote counting and stuff like that. Um, if they can't pull that off, then they they start going to these other options, right? which is accuse Trump of voter suppression, um, they, which they do all the time. I mean, Stacey Abrams still goes around. She lost the governorship of Georgia last mm -hmm. time, 55,000. That's not a close margin. That's not one of those, you know, let's automatically trigger a recall kind of margins. And she still says, I won. I'm the legitimate governor. It's wild. So they'll accuse Trump of voter suppression. They'll use the media to say Trump is illegitimate and he's clinging to power despite having lost. And so all means fair or foul to get rid of them are now justified to protect our democracy. And then the question becomes, is propaganda pressure and street protesting enough, or do they have to leap to other means? There are means that they've openly speculated about, i.e. the use of the military. And then the question becomes, does the military follow that order? Uh, I don't know that they can necessarily take that for granted. I mean, one encouraging sign in all of this is after the open letter to Milley, 
um, Millie, who's the chairman of the Joint Chiefs, an army, a four-star army general, uh, said publicly that the military will play, quote, no role, unquote, in the upcoming election. So uh, let's hope he holds to that. I also would like to believe, I might be naive on this point, but to get back to a point I made earlier, I would like to believe there are enough loyal soldiers, enlisted and officers, who will look at such a call and say, I can't do that. I took an oath to the Constitution, um, and also I'm loyal to this institution. I mean, just take the U.S. Army. Um, by tradition, the U.S. Army dates its founding to 1775 as the Continental Army. It wasn't the, There wasn't the United States yet, but in other words, this is an institution that's older than the country itself. Do they want to, right. you know, that won our independence um, uh, and many other wars? Do they want to trash that reputation? I think there's a lot of people who say, I can't do that, both for my own, it, it violates my own conscience, and I think it would be terrible for the institution, and I just won't. I'm, I'm hoping that's the case. Right. Well, what role does it play in a color revolution to amp up the rhetoric about not expecting a fixed outcome? that night, the night of the third or even the fourth, what role does yeah. that play? If, that if gets the public ready. That's even before you get to the color revolution point. Again, um, I think they'd prefer not to have to go that route. If they could do this in the, if they can do it in the counting and in the courts, better, all the better, right? Um, the, the easier and quicker, the better. So if Biden doesn't win outright on the third, then you try to keep counting, you know, mail-in ballots and you try to keep, you know, you just go back to the old game of post-election shenanigans, you invalidate as many of your opponents' ballots or, or ballots from districts that are favorable to your opponent and um, validate or, or, or discover, you know, it always happens. And when was the last time somebody discovered a box of ballots in a close election that were Republican? Uh, I can't think of it. Uh, that's not, for instance, what happened in Florida in 2000. So do it that way, I think is the way. And, and, and of course, then you have to go to court because lawyers will say, well, we challenge the validity of this and you gotta have your lawyers. Um, um, you know, get judges to rule both on the validity of specific ballots, but also there'll be uh, court battles over when the counting is supposed to stop and deadlines and things like that. Hopefully, I think in their mind, they can win it all through counting shenanigans and in, and in, and in lawfare. But if they suspect they lost, if they suspect they lost, they might have lost from early, early exit polls and things like that. There is a lot of value in the tail wagging the dog. Yeah. As as to hey uh, you know they might they could amp it up they own the mainstream media they could amp yeah. it up that night that moment you know the first hour of polls closing uh, voting voting booths closing by simply saying hey it man it's looking really close they just changed the narrative so don't expect an answer for two weeks right. the tail wags the dog that way and then they start just leaking it bit by bit the next day everyone's waking up bleary-eyed, rubbing the sleep from their eyes, and hearing on their TV sets, hey, you know, we don't know what's going to happen, but democracy either way is really going to require that Joe Biden is president. I mean, isn't, isn't that the way it works? Hillary has said Joe Biden should should concede victory under no circumstances. All right, just concede defeat. I concede under any circumstances were her exact words. He should not concede under any circumstances. Um, Look, all of that depends. That that success, the success of that, depends on whether you can get states to certify these counts. So if you you know if a state you know let's say it looks like Trump won that night, 
state takes seven weeks to keep counting mail-in ballots, discovers a few more in pro-Biden districts, and you can get them to say, nope, certified, done, overclosed. And then you go to court and the Republicans will say, try to reopen it to recount or invalidate this. And the judges say, nope, 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 we certify it too. We, you know, we uphold that. You can get, every, you can get states to do that in a lawful manner. Then Biden can win. And the propaganda is essentially supplementary. I do fear, though, and a couple of Democrats have raised this point gingerly, but in a blackmaily sort of way. That, <laughs> that is to say, they say that we may have an outcome where it doesn't matter who wins, neither side accepts the legitimacy of the other, right? So if you're a Trump supporter and you see all the shenanigans going on, and uh, but according to the letter of the law, you know, the state certifies it, the court upholds the state certification, they send the electors and all that, you say, all right, letter of the law, look, Biden won. But I don't believe that accurately reflects the way the votes were cast. I believe that this was done with via shenanigans to get that count. Um, you may be forced to accept that Biden is the president, but you won't actually accept in your heart that Trump lost. And vice versa could happen. I think a real Trump, one of the, the really dangerous things the Democrats have done this season is so played up the notion that A, Trump is illegitimate, and B, Biden is a shoo-in, that if Trump does win, Democrats won't have the ability to accept that. They're going to say, this is illegitimate. And you know, it'll be much worse than Florida in 2000 when you had a good half the country saying, not my president. That could lead to long-term unrest, I fear. And one guy, a liberal, wrote an article saying that, exactly that. He was, in a, in a sense, criticizing the Democrats for their behavior in this. But his conclusion was, of course, and therefore we just have to make sure Biden becomes president because it's the only way to have peace. You know, I, I mean, it's a blackmail threat. Basically, nice country you got there. It'd be a shame if something were to happen to it. I, I thought that was a constituent part of the color revolution. I thought it's like, hey, if we create this mindset in a large enough constituency, in America, and it doesn't have to be a majority, yeah. just a loud minority, then we can, with with the added component of stepping up the rioting in the streets times 10 or maybe 100, I thought they could kind of half-threaten their way into... I I wonder, I mean, I think that the they prefer, once again, to do this without further rioting. I think they prefer that. Now, that's... But that begs the question of, okay, maybe they prefer it, but how much... Are, are these rioters really under their control? And my suspicion is that the events of 2020 demonstrate that not as much as they thought, right? Uh, if the, you know, the race is probably tightening for any number of reasons, but one of them has to be that people saw three, four months of total lawlessness, looting and chaos and deep blue zones without any kind of pushback and thought, yeah, no, <laughs> I don't want that. Um, and, you know, remember that famous line, that Tucker and others quoted endlessly where Don Lamont of CNN at one point says, this has got to stop. It's yeah. showing up in the polling, right? What a, what a clarifying true colors kind of moment for the last. I know. <laughs> I know. Like, you know, we like this right up to the point where it starts to hurt us electorally. Right. When they're going into Kenosha, Wisconsin, which is a suburb in one of the battleground States. Yeah. And they're courting the vote of these people whose property they're setting on fire. Well, I keep, keep this in mind too. Minnesota. I Think, don't quote me because I've, you know, I'm, I'm memory may be bad, but I think Trump lost Minnesota by 1.5 in 2016, pretty close, and it seems to be virtually tied this time to the point where they may, the Republicans may even pick up a Senate seat there. I mean, you know, who knows? Fingers crossed. I, I make no predictions, but. Minnesota's ground zero wells rioting happened. If there's a swing toward Trump in Minnesota, I think you can. 
you could bet that the Minneapolis, uh, all that destruction and, and, and chaos in Minneapolis is the leading cause of why. Yeah, that, that, that makes a lot of sense to me. But so it's supposed to be an armless revolution. Ideally. Turn around. But but yeah, what's all this talk about the 82nd Airborne Division dragging Trump out at 1201 on January 20th, 2021? What, I, what is with that? That's weird. My sense of that is it's to get the public mind. Well, first of all, you know, how much of that's just wishful thinking? As, as, as you put it at the beginning, you know, Byron York called it couporn, right? Uh, some of it, a great deal of it may be. I think, though, to the true believers who think that they can get that done, who they can give such an order and they can get it followed, the reason why you talk about it now is to get the public mind ready that if you see, if the American public is witnessing an unprecedented spectacle, a president who appears to have won an election, or at least believes he won an election, literally being let out at gunpoint, they want to say in advance to the American people, don't worry, yes, you're seeing something you've never seen before, but it's his fault. Right. Totally his fault. He deserves this. That's that's the idea is to not let that spectacle come as a shock, but to get it into the bloodstream early enough and people can process it so that if they see it, they'll be like, yeah, I guess they told us this might happen. And so, you know, what are you going to do? All's fair. Which is all the mainstream media does. And, and it's incredibly powerful. I, I mean, I'm I'm old enough now to marvel at the incredible nature of bare repetition of yeah. idiotically wrong obviously false propositions just through bare repetition on the six major news networks all six of them and then you go out in the streets or the market or to a ball game and you hear people saying moderate type people not not far lefties who would be ideological apparatchiks of what the leftists are really saying if they if they got it but but middle ground sports fans just bringing out these tropes and you're like, dude, oh, you just I just came. You just heard that, too. Like, you know, that's BS. Right. And they don't they don't get it. So what frightens me in the big tech era, in the, you know, the high information age in these information wars is that they have a decisive, you know, victory. They have decisive initiative. The well, they have decisive advantages. I don't know that that necessarily translates to victory, for sure. But yeah, look, we're in a we're in a we're in a disadvantaged state. Um, we don't have nearly the propaganda apparatus that they have. We have avenues, but they're fewer. The audience is lower, and their ability to restrict access and so on is um, high. So yes, we're at a serious we're at a serious disadvantage. But we, look, we were at a serious disadvantage in 2016. And we and we won. I'm not saying we're going to win this time. I honestly don't know. I hope so. But at the end of the day, I think the leftist plan is, you know, one party rule, no opposition. But there's still going to be an opposition in the sense that there will be people who don't go along with the program. And long term stability in a country like this, if you lock 40 to 50 percent of the population, just say you have no political power anymore. You are locked out of the system. You are ruled. You are subjects. That's not conducive to long term stability. Uh, if the left had any sense in moderation in them, they would realize that and back off a little. They don't, which is why I think they're going to uh, hurdle us toward a crisis. If not this year, then soon, as soon as they can. I just don't get why it wouldn't be this year. I, I'm I'm a reader of your article and 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 the your two articles, and a believer that this year, in the year of the unprecedented, in the year of we've never seen this anarchism go so unpunished. I remember in 
summer of, I think, 2013, maybe yeah. 2012, when there were just fires going in Paris, you know, Islamo-fascist fires going. And the Parisians just wouldn't set them out. They wouldn't take out the, the bad guys. They wouldn't arrest them. They wouldn't do anything. I was like, man, that, that, that sucks to be you guys. Not here, not in America. And that's just what we had this summer, June, July, August, September. There were cities that were just on fire, really, for the yeah. first two and a half months of that. The reason I, I, I would agree in the, and disagree, that is to say, the left will do what it can get away with. Uh, it's not going to back off because of moderation, uh, because of second thoughts, because they've been talked out of something. Um, it, but they might not be able to pull off what they have planned um, because public opinion may be against them. Or Trump may win by such a margin that the propaganda apparatus... I mean, look, he's not going to win the popular vote, I don't think. But it's possible... A friend, friends of mine who watch the polls carefully tell me there's seven or eight basically toss-up close states. Trump could lose all of them or none of them or half of them or some number in between. So you could be looking at a 330 Electoral College win for the president, in which case um, they just don't feel like they have a, a standing to go through with this. That, that means only the color revolution works, right? You're not going to win it in lawfare. You're not going to win it. You have to fill the streets and call them illegitimate. But on what basis? Then they're going to have to say somehow that all these votes are, are illegitimate, that you know, voter suppression tipped seven states, eight states. It becomes a hard sell. And right. uh, I'm, not, I'm not saying they can't pull it off. I'm certainly not saying they're not going to try to pull it off. I'm just saying there are reasons to believe that it might not be this year, but if it isn't this year uh, and they're forced to accept Trump's second term, well, accept nominally, they won't ever accept it, right. then, then then we'll see an extremely tumultuous four years where everything that was done against the president um, uh, in the last four will be intensified beyond anything we've seen. Um, uh, and, you know, the, the so-called resistance will really, really multiply and, and I think get, get very, very unpleasant. For, and, and the country will have a will have an extremely difficult time, um, even if that happens. So I think we're kind of you know I hate to say this I think we're sort of in for it no matter no matter what. Assuming optimally that he wins, no, you're yeah. making no predictions. But you were a, a former national security official in the Trump admin. Is he going to do something about big tech as such? I'm not even advocating that because there's constitutional issues. But I'm curious. This is re feeling like real tyranny. As a guy that makes a living now making yeah. podcasts uh, on YouTube and on the internet, what it's it's too much to just cede to them, isn't it? I mean, some Tucker yeah. Carlson. No, it is. So. I I know. I make no. I don't know I, I, what he's going to do. I would hope that he'll get much tougher in, in, in a second term on stuff like this. Um, there seems to be a growing appetite among Republican senators as well. Uh, and, and, you know, so. I would hope that in a second term, having learned from a lot of mistakes, I mean, it they, they took them a long time to get the personnel operation going in a fundamentally good way, but it is. So if they have a second term, you're going to see way better staffing. Um, you're going to see, you know, a much more loyal team. Lo not, I don't necessarily mean personally loyal, although that's not unimportant, but loyalty to the agenda, people who really believe in what he's trying to do. Right. And therefore, a much greater ability to get stuff done. Um, so... I hope so. I mean, I think it would be a, a, a malpolitical and malpractice to, to win a second term and not go after these big tech monopolies. So, yeah, I, I absolutely hope so. Well, does it not, final question, does it not feel 
like 2016 to you with some different weird circumstances that we didn't have back then four years ago? Does it not feel like 2016 again? It kind of does to me. I got to say, I didn't pay that close attention to the election because like everybody else, nearly everybody else, I assumed he was going to lose and I was gloomy about it and I just didn't want to watch. Yeah. You know, and this time I, I don't, you know, I'm paying more attention. And what I'm hearing from people is, yeah, it looks a lot like 2016. Um, many, many of the same patterns, most of which are uh, beneficial to Trump, some of which are beneficial to Biden. I don't, I don't really know anybody on my side who's, I mean, I, I shouldn't say that. There are a handful of people who are just confident, oh, he's going to win, he's going to win. Um, and then many, you know, most of the people that I talk to are like, I'd still give him the edge, but there's a lot of, you know, a lot of reasons for doubt. I'm just going to, I'm, I, the difference between me in 2016 and in 2020 is in 2016, I was completely convinced he was going to lose. I believed in the narrative and I put no hope in, 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 a, in a victory at all. This time I have some hope, um, which could turn out to be psychologically painful if right. my hopes are unrealized. You know, I was in a good terrible. mood at nine o'clock on 20, on 2016. I was listening to music and drinking some wine and just like, I knew, you know, it's like the country's over, but what can you do? You're just going to ride the wave down. And I, I, I did all I could and oh, well, and then I'd get a phone call from a friend at about nine 30 saying he's winning. And I'm like, he's, are you watching this? I said, no, of course I'm not. Oh, watching. you weren't even watching. I wasn't even watching. Dude. I was not even watching. Wow. And so, uh, yeah, I, you know, this time I probably won't watch. I'll wait because it's just too nerve wracking. Um, uh, I'll wait and see, but um, hopefully somebody will call me at about 9 or 10 o'clock with the good news. <laughs> yeah, halfway through a glass of wine. Hopefully this time you'll have the, the the music on, the wine still going, but with the TV on at least without the volume up uh, watching or something. Because you got to – man, this is big. It's big time. There's no pretending that this is not world historical. I, I just don't think – I don't think you can get around that. Not, not that you're trying to, but – I'm ner- I'm nervous going into it. I'm optimistic. I was optimistic last time. Yeah. And I think enthusiasm I, gaps in any even semi-close election, I think enthusiasm gaps in American electoral politics are, if not dispositive, extremely, extremely determinative or nearly determinative, right? I, I hope so. I hope Who so. loves Biden? Biden's the equivalent Nobody, of that's Romney, Nobody, McCain. No, they don't like him. They wanted a, you know you know, lesbian, communist, ex-party, uh, you know, weirdo from Mars. They wanted they wanted some extreme Black Lives Matter, Antifa, anarcho-tyrannist, uh, tyranny, whatever, like extremist. And Biden's an old white man that's having to change his rhetoric. He had to search his, the plums of his soul or whatever to even accept the nomination, according to himself. They wanted... Someone like Bernie Sanders, except not not old and white. They're going to get that. Yeah. So I think they know. I think they know that they're going to get that, that Biden's a puppet. I mean, I think, yes, nobody on the left is enthusiastic. But I do think there's a sense of confidence that, hey, Biden, Biden is going to, the people who actually run Biden, meaning not Biden, are going to deliver for us the outcome we want on all major things. And that will be enough to fire them up. I think I think with the, the the political capital is it includes the people that don't know that. And with some of the demographics that you have to get out to show up to the polls that would vote Democrat on November 3rd, 
I'm not sure they do know that. They vote strictly identitarian, and they look at Biden and see he's an old white guy. What do I care about him? I, I think I'm hoping that a lot of the ones they need to get out to the polls simply don't understand that Biden really, for yeah. the identitarian politics that they run, is not in. Although old you know, if turnout, I mean that, that that not that this will be dispositive, but if turnout among any demographic group goes down, you know that that just leads to the charge of voter suppression. But because it's, it's come to the point where the Democrats define voter suppression, you know, to me, voter suppression is like when you lie about the election date. All right. That's that's dirty pool. Voters for the Democrats, voter suppression is you put out an effective ad that that sort of says to a certain constituency, this political party doesn't ever do anything for you. All right. And so they get demoralized. And they're like, yeah, I don't care about this. Right. That's right. not voter suppression. That's, right. that's politics. That's electoral politics. That is persuasion. It's like, OK. You know, negative negative advertising is a, is is part and parcel of politics, and so you can't if you you know redefine voter suppression so ridiculously broadly, you've essentially stripped it of any meaning. Which of course they have, and they don't care because it's just a narrative for them. It's all Machiavelli for these guys. Well, hey man, I, I appreciate you taking the time to come on with me. You know, I think I think a lot of my listeners will be surprised to hear some of the ideas from your two articles, but I, I, I think it's important that conservative Catholics who might not read The American Mind or whatever, which I, I sometimes publish in American Mind, but most of my listeners and viewers don't necessarily read everything I write anyway. I think it's important that people know this is in the this is in the cards. This was war-gamed. Even if it doesn't come to pass, this was a real thing that they were gaming out. They were playing with this notion Heaven help us going forward, Dave's Volt. We just hope none of this comes to pass. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, I, I like I said, you know, if Trump if Trump could run the table. I, I still I still I expect a, a several million electric popular vote loss, but um, he could do better. It's possible he could even do better in the electoral college this time than he did last time. So, you know, I'll I'll. Wait and see, but even a look, even a Trump win is necessary and as important as it is. And I bow to no one in thinking that it is necessary and important. It doesn't get us out of the mess that we're in. No, no, no. It's cold. We're, in a, we're in a deep hole that it'll take a generation, if 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 that, maybe longer, to climb out of. Sure, if if it's possible at all. Yeah, all right. Well, look. Yeah, yeah. People, uh, definitely subscribe to this channel if you haven't already. Click the bell, or else you're not subscribing. Does no good. And, and click like on this video, please. See to my Patreon and Dave's Patreon. I'll stop bothering you about this so much after the election. But we are being censored. I put a video up yesterday that froze for 90 minutes, was going up precipitously on the Pope, Pope Francis, you know, you know, S show. And, and it froze for an hour and a half, even though it was going up precipitously. So we are being censored or worse. Please, uh, people like me that put out regular content need your support if you're so willing. So, so, so thank you. Read Michael Anton's two pieces. We're linking to both of them uh, at the bottom of the show notes. And Mr. Anton, thank you. I also have a book everybody. out. I just want to mention. Yes, you do. Go ahead and give it a plug. I'll, I'll, I'll pick uh, September first, called "The Stakes: America at the Point of No Return." Yes, I, 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 you guys can see the the picture of that right now. And I'm going to look for that tweet of the death threat of you, which I doubt, I kind of doubt Twitter took down. Here it is. This is the, this is the book. Uh, I haven't had it. Is that Regnery? Yeah. Regnery Press, yeah. 
figured. Okay, cool. Well, good, good, good work. Everyone go out, purchase that book. I'll, I'll have it pictured on the screen here. Okay. Once I edit all this up. Okay. God bless you, man. And I'm going to be, get your glass of wine, get a big glass of wine. And this time turn your TV on, on November the 3rd. Yeah. uh, Dare to hope, dare to hope. It invests. I'm hope- I am losing. hopeful. That's what actually has me worried. I'd rather be convinced that he's going to lose. I think that would be a better barometer that he might win. <laughs> it's knight's armor. Yeah, pessimism is knight's armor. But you gotta, yeah. you gotta, you gotta abandon that armor and just say, I- "I'm in this. I care, and I'm risking caring." Yeah, anyway, that's 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 the state. Oh, I care. That's not the problem. Yeah. <laughs> All right, man. Well, oh, All right. well peace and uh, th- thanks again. Thanks.